One for the emperor, first of us all. One for his lictors who answered the call. One for his saints who were chosen of old. One for his hands and the swords that they hold. Two is for discipline, heedless of trial. Three for a gleam of a jewel or a smile. Four for fidelity facing ahead. Five for tradition and debts to the dead. Six for the truth over solace and lies. Seven for beauty that blossoms and dies. Eight for salvation, no matter the cost. Nine for the tomb and all that was lost. Jesse, James. <laughs> it's like it's the same cadence. It does have that same rhythm. I kind of was wondering if we were going to do accents. Like if oh. I was going to, if I was supposed to do my best Maura quirk, or like what, oh. like what are the standards here? Uh, you're the I only can't. one who could do that probably. Yeah. Uh, like yeah. literally, you're the Wait, only we person. We do not want to see me att- uh, attempt anything from the Oceania region. <laughs> Jude's hurt Die by in a fire, Nona Jesimus. <laughs> in the myriadic year of our Lord, the ten thousandth and second year of the King Undying, the kindly Prince of Death, who it turns out might be something of an asshole, we find ourselves far, far away from the disc. We are doing bones again, bitches! So scarf down those pikelets, or Pyrrha will be angry, put on your best novelty t-shirt, and strap in for another special complete Thanography episode. We're back. It's note of the ninth. Woo! Ah! We're here. It has taken, you know, it it is, we are, we have gone through multiple years, but we are back in this. Very exciting. You know, by like. When did we last record? I think this, it was September 2020. Oh, at wow. least, yeah. yeah. Was, a couple things uh, have yeah. happened since yeah. then. A couple. We we started a different <laughs> podcast. <laughs> That's what you get for making jokes on Twitter, Justin. Well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> That's how you make podcasts, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, so we are back for uh, <laughs> note of the ninth. There, we we have our usual complete uh, discography house, and remember, no plot summaries, only vibes for photography. But there are some voices here that are not your usual discography guests. Back because they somehow dis- they somehow agreed we have uh, Jude, who you can hear on Bad Pod. Nobody cares about you. Um, it's true. <laughs> but we also have Allie Grower back. Hello, I'm Grower the Ninth, and I too would like to invite six legged dogs to my birthday party. All right, we have we have we have actual bits we do on the show. Yeah, we do. Uh, yeah, Jude, I'm reading yourself. the script. You told me to read the script. <laughs> the only one who's on point. Yeah. Uh, should I introduce myself then? Yeah. I am Jude the first, the saint of bits. Did you know cows have feelings? And now to our normal hosts. Anna. <laughs> I'm Anna, and I approve of mustache rides for unreasonably low prices. Aaron. I'm Aaron, and what I know is that I don't know anything. Again. And I am Justin, and I launched the nuclear missiles five minutes ago. We have about ten minutes to finish recording the podcast. Damn it. <laughs> Everyone talk real fast. Yeah. <laughs> we, we've also entered a temporal decompression decompre- uh, field, so it's going to sound like a couple hours to listener. Mm-hmm. We are um, deep in the river. 
<laughs> so let's talk about let's talk about bones and um the book that wasn't intended yeah i absolutely love that as a concept it makes so much sense having read it like when she first announced that yeah it was kind of like a burr but then you read the book and you're like yes absolutely you would yeah. start to write nona and then be like okay i would like to write another 400 pages of her please uh so I totally get it now. It's funny. There's actually a, a weird cross thread here back to, to, you know, the, the host of the podcast, um, Terry Pratchett. I just read a, a thing cause his, a biography just came out of him related to the story where he was like, I'm getting frustrated with my publisher. They're taking me for granted. I'm going to take a six month hiatus and it comes back and is like, well, fuck, I wrote two books. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't be me. Don't know what that's like. <laughs> That's well, I'm I'm certainly accurate. not complaining because I'm happy to get as much of the series as we can possibly get. So a whole extra book is just gravy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Agreed. I yeah. remember reading the first book and thinking, "There's no way this is going to be a trilogy." Like, yeah, right. Why, why would you try to do that in just three books? I so. love how the the series defies every expectation at every turn. So you're like, okay, it couldn't be a trilogy. Like, what, where do you take it? What do you do? And then the second book comes out and just like absolutely breaks the spine of every expectation you could have about what this series is going to look like. Who writes in second person? Uh, yeah. No one. <laughs> no You're one. not allowed. <laughs> and then the third book comes out and it's yet another wild turn in a different direction. And it's just, you never know where this series is, is going to go. She is such a, she's just such a good writer. Uh, it's one thing to be weird and to be like novel with what you do. It's another thing to be like really good at it. Mm -hmm. Like you have to be a really good writer to get away with the shenanigans that she does with her, with the memes and the like different changing persons and unreliable narrator shit. Like in a less competent author, that would be incredibly frustrating, but it just works. Yeah. I think part of the reason that I, I, every, every bizarre, and I mean bizarre appreciatively, not like confusing, but like every weird choice is made is done with such utter confidence. Yeah. Yeah. When like, oh, hey, we're doing radical point of view shifts or we're completely changing a setting or nobody in this nobody in this book who is a main character is living solo in their original body um (laughs) there's never there there is a very minimal amount of hand holding and but it is still aptly done so it's like you're brought along for the ride and anytime you're feeling confused you're gonna feel confused for just amount of time for it to be fun and then getting brought back up to speed. Yeah. yeah. And Absolutely. and a lot of times when I have felt confused, it's like if I just go back like five pages and just read a little bit slower, I'll get it. <laughs> Unless you're not supposed to get it, yeah. which yeah. is a thing that this book and series has in spades. Random aside, the fact that uh, Gideon or Kiriona, as apparently she is being referred to now, uh, repeatedly refers to uh, refers to Pira as the one that was spading her mom. 
uh, has made <laughs> the word spade, has really put a new spin on the word spade for me. That's got to be in like a New Zealand thing. Yeah, I, there's so much New Zealand slang in this book. Yeah. I like that it's just unashamedly New Zealand. Like, yeah, I love yeah. that. Yeah. Another book would, another editor probably would be like, you cannot, it has, you have to dumb it down. You have to, you have to make it more American, more international, more bland. And Muir is just like, nah, fuck it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna write this in the voice I want to write it. And I mean, like Google exists now, right? Yeah. Like we can look, we can look things up and like look up all that type of slang and everything in a way that we couldn't say like 15 years ago easily. Yeah. Um, speaking of editors, I'm, I'm going to do some cross plugging here. Um, the, the site I write for Gatecrashers did a fantastic interview uh, with Carl Anger Laird, who was the editor for this book. And if if you want to listen to somebody who was involved with the creation of this book talk about it, Ooh. go listen to Gatecrashers. Um, I'll have to listen to that. That sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah that sounds great. It's, it's a very fun interview. He's also a really fun follow on Twitter. I'll have to check it out. But yeah, this is, uh, I mean... I think the the other thing is that I mean, for the third book in a row, we have uh, I want to say a genre shift, but a tone shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we have spooky, spooky, like spooky boarding school, basically for our first, uh, or spooky boarding school slash haunted house slash uh, locked room mystery, locked room murder mystery, yeah, yeah, yeah. or locked tomb murder mystery, da da da. and then we have in book two i don't even know how you categorize harrow it's psychological horror yeah (laughs) Yeah. psychological horror summer camp from hell Um, plus fan fiction (laughs) and then in the third book like the first half of this book is like i don't know slice of life yeah yeah slice of life anime Yeah. yeah (laughs) <laughs> and i genuinely love all of the like domesticity stuff with nona and cam and palamedes and pira like it's all lovely mm-hmm. um and like all of the stuff where they're they're all like taking care of nona it's just yeah. very heartwarming and it was it was lovely to read yeah i also want to call out uh moira quirk yeah narrator of the audiobook who has been through all three of the books through all those tonal shifts and has nailed all of them. Uh, what a tall fucking order. Truly. Yeah. To ride the, these characters through all this weird stuff and track of witches and whose body. And yeah. <sighs> and when she manages to do some incredible range in this, in the series, uh, Ianthe's just heartless, sneering drawl and Gideon's like fuck you no nonsense smarm all the way and then Nona's like totally guileless childlike innocence and (laughs) and all the kids too yeah yeah no it's just it's 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 an incredible listen I I really feel like don't get me wrong reading is great but like I think there's an argument to be made that like Quirk's narration of these books is might be like the def- pretty close to the definitive way to experience these books 
I was going to say, I, when I recommend these books to people now, which as I'm sure we all do is daily, at least, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. uh, I always tell people I read the book cause I read really fast. Um, I read the physical book and then I usually give it some time to like settle and let me forget a couple of things. And then I'll go back and I'll listen to the audiobook because you're absolutely right. It's, I mean, it's so gorgeously produced and so carefully performed um, that there are things you don't catch as a reader with Mm -hmm. your eyeballs, but you will hear the tone of it or the cadence of it or the reference that's being made or whatever, like the the clues are there when you're when you're listening to it but yeah you're seeing it Mm -hmm. so i feel like not only does the series have great reread value in general because it's so dense the the audio is a necessary piece of that experience especially if you are someone who's going to reread them 100 agree listening to the audiobook is so distinctly powerful i was just thinking about the harrow audiobook earlier because I re-listened to it a couple months ago uh, in preparation for Nona and was like mystified as a, as someone who has done audiobooks from time to time, not good ones, mind you, but has done them. <laughs> it was mystifying to me that she manages to read it in second person to Harrow as a narrator that is neutral enough that you don't realize that it's Gideon until it's too late. Yeah. Like, how did she do that? I don't like that must have taken a lot of like fine tuning on her end to make sure that it was neutral enough, but still Gideon enough to feel like it wasn't a light Mm -hmm. switch. Yeah. Yeah. It's just it's so good. Yeah. But at the same time, like the clarity of the various voices for everybody, it it actually really helps in some of the scenes to figure out who is who. Yeah, especially in the first book when it's all of the different houses crammed into Canaan house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And in the scenes and in the scenes where it's not like as obvious who's speaking at which point, the audiobook provides a lot of clarity. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. I still am yep. deeply in love with her awful teens. No, Magnus. No. Not the phone cultists. <laughs> oh. Speaking of just like voices, like I can't even imagine how this comes over in the audiobook. My favorite fucking line in this entire book. Hold on, I gotta get to it here. Oh, it's 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 Corona and Ianthe. Stop being so fucking dramatic. Stop being so fucking dramatic. It's very good. <laughs> and I'm like, as an older brother, I can only like say, like. I have, like, I consider myself, you know, a pretty reasonable copter. If a sibling did that to me, I would lose my shit, and they would be able to play me <laughs> however they wanted. <laughs> it's very good. Uh, I can't even imagine how that comes over on the audiobook, because that's... One of my favorite deliveries is the way that Quirk plays Kiriona is mm-hmm. chef kiss. It's mm-hmm. distinctly Gideon but not and i couldn't tell you what she's doing differently but there's something i can't wait to to get to that part same i ha- i haven't gotten there in the audiobook yet it's terrific uh <laughs> these are my speed holds they make me go faster <laughs> it's such God. a good line <laughs> it's such a bizarre line i love it okay can, can we talk about what we think like 
What do we think Kiriana is? Uh, the plot of the next book. I mean, frankly. sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think it seems pretty obvious that John fished Gideon out of wherever Gideon's body was and got so there's a there's a an image in our outline that I found on the Lock Tomb subreddit of like all the people that have been bussing along in poor Harrow's brain over oh, yeah. the years. I I yeah, I, that be or like that that image of that it's like just, a flow chart of it's so, it's so useful. Yeah, it's so yeah. Yeah. It's like it's oh and so my 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 the- my belief is Gideon is in Harrow at the end of Harrow the Ninth. Yeah. Because they're lictored up. Mm-hmm. Uh, but somehow he breaks that. I don't know how that works, but I guess John would. I mean, he's God, so. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe he, maybe it's not, I don't think it's all of Gideon though, clearly, but I think he takes a, enough of a chunk of Gideon to get Gideon-ish and stuffs it into her body and then obviously does some tinker toys with the body. Cause as we've learned in this book, there's functionally nothing he can't do with flesh and bone. Uh, and then throws it out there to be one of the tower princes, whatever that means. The word tower has become quite a charged term as I think we'll probably get to a little bit later. Yeah. <laughs> I, I also have a theory on this. I think that Kiriona is the parts of Gideon that, went into the river when Harrow lictered her. Oh, interesting. And the rest is still in Harrow. And that's, Mm. I think, why Kiriona is wrong, that the best parts of uh, Gideon went into Harrow, Hmm. and Kiriona's what's left. Interesting. So it's like before Harrow could lobotomize herself, Mm -hmm. some of of Gideon got damaged and and escaped. Yeah, it seemed like... It, it the implication throughout seems to be that, uh, and this one seems like it clarifies that at a few points that Harrow and Gideon, it was an incomplete merge. Mm-hmm. It's not yeah. just that Harrow lobotomized herself; she also didn't do it right. Yeah, she interrupted, didn't do it right. She interrupted the lictering process. Yeah, for sure. With the, I also with the think lobotomizing. there's probably some hand waving to be had regarding the fact that Harrow is Harrow, and Harrow is made off of what what was it 250 dead children or whatever. Yeah, uh, and Gideon is Gideon, John's child. So like, there's some hand waving in there, I think, about like yeah how. But I agree absolutely, Anna, that yeah. that there's chunks missing and. Uh, and yet here we are with these pieces. Yeah. And yeah. No, now. it seems, it seems clear that Gideon is, is partakes of John's unique relationship with uh, Electo uh, to some degree. And Harrow, I think as a consequence of having all those souls from, from go is uniquely capable of being a, party bus when it comes to party bus other people's spirits because look how many she's had so many things just sort she's of party bumping along in her. limo yeah party no, okay. bus yeah. meat puppet yeah it's yeah. like you know it's it's beyond like a party limo it's like a soccer team's bus it's, yeah it's yeah. the whole marching band it's, it's exactly yeah um it's, yeah 
it's like a it's like a really messy desk and you're just like where did i put that soul it's somewhere over here under the yeah third exactly or fourth one. i mean she's got she has so many people in her and it's really i and i think i i would hazard to guess that if if she were not harrow then it wouldn't none of this would have worked yeah you, you know what i mean it would have killed her yeah like immediately any any number of these steps in this process so far would have killed her. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Do we want to try and follow the outline, or are we just going to kind of riff? I, th- I think riffing is 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 our destiny. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I tried. I tried. No, I mean, I, we're beautiful. We're, we're going to touch. Be- we're going to we're going to go around stuff. We're going to touch stuff. And yeah. Okay. I did try to give us some some structure here, though. Yeah. yeah. I just don't because I have. <laughs> I, I have. Thoughts. I feel, I feel about, like I need a dirty joke chart like they had in the in the uh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. In my house though. Ass jokes. <laughs> well, we figured out how the earth died now. Yeah. Well, yeah. we ha- we got John's account of it. I to, mean, to the degree that John is reliable, we know right. that in a fit of absolute fucking spite of childlike tantrumy spite, John nukes the earth so that he can have enough energetic power to chase down an escaping FTL ship and try and sn- smite it. And then... Yeah. And then fails. Billionaires. Like, Don't get me wrong, I approve of Eat the Rich, but that may, yeah. may be slightly <laughs> excessive. And then he blinks at the end. And then he like... Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And then he... And then he... Then he wimps out on it. God. Yeah. Oh, John. It, it does answer a lot of questions, though, about like that whole... Se- that, I mean... I think there's enough there that is that whole section, that whole John, those John chapters are fucking buck wild they for really so many are. reasons. Yeah. Um, but assuming that he's telling the truth as he understands it with regards to how Electo happened, there's some really interesting. Let's we, 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 we can't know either way. So <laughs> from what we can tell, there's some really interesting stuff happening there. The fact that, I think the, the the two things I think are most interesting are one that he made Electo or Annabelle, I don't know <laughs> uh what you wanna call her. Um and that's the second interesting thing. But the first one is he tore out his own ribs. He's like shoveling dirt into his mouth and then like barfing spirit juice up because he just can't contain her the earth's spirit. And he rips his own ribs out and makes a body for her with dirt and his own ribs, which I think is partially why their relationship is different than any, any of the other Lichter relationships we've seen because they're functionally like the same person. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They're two spirits and two bodies that have like mixed. And I think that's why John is utterly immortal. As long as she exists in her current form, you can't kill him. Yeah. And as long as, which I think is why also Gideon by partaking of his blood is the same way. How very Catholic. I mean, mm. I have so many questions about die. Gideon. That's, that's, that's crazy enough. Like that's a hint to how far this extends. Like uh, the no. second thing is there's a quote that I found that I think is really interesting is in Harold the Ninth, he's, they're talking about the fact that she became a monster. She wasn't originally so scary that they that the other lictors insisted on her being killed or locked away. So whatever she was when he, she was first created, 
he made her into something that was a monster. And I'm really interested interested to see. Yeah. She what- she went from being Annabelle to being Electo, presumably. Yeah. yeah. She went from having a nice name to being one of the Furies. Yeah. It could also I I I I'm glad you brought that up, Anna. I was gonna jump to that actually just now. Is that not only is Electo the name of one of the the Greek Furies, uh specifically she's the daughter of Gaia, mm-hmm. which oh, that's mm-hmm. fucking all dope. connected yep. to John Gaius, yep, yep, aka yep. the Earth, aka et cetera, et cetera yeah. right? Cool. I've been under the impression, and of course we all could be wrong. I I I, I was under the impression. <laughs> disclaimer, disclaimer. I was under the impression that uh, Annabelle Lee was his sort of like cute literary sad boy pet name for her. <laughs> that it's that it's not actually her name, um, but that he had to call her something. And yeah. the idea that that she was sick and he was trying to save her like as the earth right that's the implication right is that the earth is dying the environment's fucked people are trying to leave the earth because they can't fix it and he's he's still trying to find a way to help people live through that that cataclysm before he causes the apocalypse himself that he's idealizing her once she's a person that he's called her annabelle lee because she was sick and dying and he wanted to save her and he kind of couldn't um because if I remember correctly, that's what that Poe poem is about, is that she Annabelle Lee was his one true love or whatever, and she died, and there's no bringing her back. Um, so I thought that was his, like, emo boy nickname mm-hmm. for her. Um, and that Electo maybe is what he... Either she asked to be called Electo, which I would be surprised if that were the case, um, um, or somebody else has subbed Electo in for her. From what I remember, I, I haven't reread it in a hot minute, but from what I remember, just like reading other people's stuff, of like, it's what the other lictors started calling Annabelle, hmm. and John would John and, and like it's specifically like John never calls her that. So yeah. here's an interesting right. uh, set of lines from that poem, though. And neither the angels in heaven above nor the demons down under the sea can ever dissever my soul from the soul of the beautiful Annabelle Lee. Bam. Yeah. 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 There you go. <laughs> yep. Meanwhile, I have I have a uh, a side theory. I think that she was Annabelle before she figured out what the fuck John had done and Electo afterward. Interesting. Yeah, I was gonna say too that that some the idea that there was some sort of transformation that she underwent after her you know mm-hmm. Galatea like birth <laughs> happens that like uh you know maybe she was like Nona in the beginning childlike yeah and sweet and kind and then as the reality of everything comes rushing back that the rage and the fury and the hurt all could yeah. not be contained which then leads to them being like lock up your dog john which raises an interesting question of like what are the john chapters are they like weird memory or someone was i saw a theory on uh the subreddit that that is john walking the literally brand new born well it's that is nona dreaming the mem- dreaming Harrow, because Nona and Harrow are like yeah, soul soul yeah. mixed. Well, they're they're sort of like mixed right now. So Harrow is dreaming Electo's memories mm-hmm. while she is in the in Electo's body back in the tomb. And when Nona 
is asleep, she's experiencing that. And that's what the John chapters are. And Electo is dreaming, remembering those first days after the apocalypse, as John is walking her around in the ruins of the nuclear apocalypse and explaining what he did. And I, I think that it's the part of John that is hidden in Electo talking to that. I think that that's the part of John that's speaking. Interesting. That it's not, I mean, sir, we've got a lot so of like soul splitting type of things, right? Literal. That I think it's the same thing as my, my theory with what's happening with Gideon or Kiriona is that like, We've got different portions of the soul that may have different yeah. different personality aspects. Yeah. Yeah. And that even even that would would make sense to me as like it's not even a conscious thing. Like obviously it's it's a dream sequence. It's not conscious, conscious, but like that this like you're saying, Anna, that the leftover bits of John that are in Electo, since now Harrow is in Electo's place, it's like a like an echo. That, yeah. it, that like that i think that perhaps on a subconscious level electo is using that to tell harrow what happened interesting because yeah. they can't talk face to face that like right. the idea is that Electo's like here this is what happened walk through this hologram like go, go for a walk on the holodeck and figure it out like <laughs> yeah you know and harrow is asleep and that would explain too why john is saying harrow instead of annabelle or whatever yeah that that it's supposed to be perceived by Harrow in this way so that she'll understand what happened. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. 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 Cause all the, all the John chapters happen while here, while known as unconscious, right? Exactly. Yeah, that was a mm -hmm. bonkers realization. There's, I only caught one exception Genius. to that, but it was like all the chapters, the John chapters start after Harrow goes to sleep or is knocked or Nona is goes to sleep or is knocked unconscious, except for one that I noticed but then it picks up after she wakes up. So the implication yeah. is she, she went to sleep slept. and then, yeah. yeah. But that's, yeah. And it's so subtle too. It, it's not even Inclu that it's subtle. They just don't like announce it. So you don't pick up on it right away. Mm -hmm. Including the one that stops in the middle of a word because Camilla drops a sponge on Nona's face. Genius. <laughs> yeah. uh, the other bananas thing uh, that I did not find, I can, I can take no credit for this, um, but on Twitter, some mad lad took all the numbers from the John chapters and put them into a cryptography website that like analyzes number sequences and discovered that the John numbers in the arc, which are different than in the final version, both of them spell something out. The arc version spells out, uh, it's just a simple like A equals one, B equals two cipher. Yeah. And it spells out the tower wants John Gaius in the arc. And the final says the tower has reactivated. <sighs> so this is exactly my bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> I, first, first of all, fuck off. Second of all, I love it. Third of all, did anybody else read uh what what were the Artemis Fowl? When they first came out. Oh, yeah. You guys know Artemis Fowl? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like, mm -hmm. I was in middle school when it came out. Um, it's about a rich boy in Ireland who has a butler and no parents and, like, is determined to, like, take over the fairy realm and the fairies are, like, trying to not let that happen. It's confusing because he's a villain kid, but, like, he's also not. It's <laughs> it's confusing. The concept is great. The execution was not, I thought. Um, <laughs> but the first book 
the the first book has like the chapter headings have like a code mm-hmm. written across it like uh like glyphs of some kind mm-hmm. right and i think it's like throughout the first book there are all of these glyphs and uh at one point in the story artemis fowl starts to like crack the code in the story and then if you can put the rest of it together on your own you can go through and crack all of the like yeah decipher everything and i i was like i was like 12 at the time so i was like it's real like you know because it was (laughs) it makes it it's that next level of oh you son of a bitch and yeah i'm here for it and i'm angry about it yeah i i i read those at like almost exactly the same age i think and was also absolutely obsessed with like translating everything and yeah like the interstitials in gravity falls yeah Yeah. what's even more wild is to me is the fact that she managed to find relevant verses of the book of john (laughs) to fit this yeah what like how like at some point i am not qualified to like touch tamsin muir's like biblical like finesse with this so i'm not gonna go there but i'm just gonna say like damn because that's some i mean mind you i i have i am aware of the fact that a lot of people say like you can kind of find anything you want to say in the bible like that that's a thing people joke about but that's pretty talented that you managed to find yeah the right verses to line up to say these things like jesus Jesus Christ feels ironic to swear like that in this context, but yeah, uh, that blew my, that blew my ding dang mind. I, um, I mean, the fact of it also is that these are all from the gospel of John, which is like, I mean, it's, that's even like, that's putting yourself on hard mode. Um, yeah. Right. Which, yeah, I, I really, it's rude, frankly. Yeah. It's the fact that it's so good and for the most part, works pretty darn well. And then you add yeah. a number cipher on it is... Yeah. No, it's bananas. It's like Tom Cruise jumping out of the back of an airplane, and then you find out that it's him and not a stunt devil. <laughs> yeah. He, he didn't have to do it himself. He just chooses to do it the hardest possible way. Yeah. Even though nobody cares that he's doing it himself. Yeah. And, and truly, I mean... Except in this case, we do care. Yeah, like what did Muir say in like the like a tour? This book is um, slimy and greasy with gender and Bible. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in this that is like, if not trans as fuck, queer as fuck. Um, yeah, because yeah. I mm-hmm. mean, like there is. I mean, there's what Pura has going on there. Yeah, I was about to say Pyrrha. Being in OG Gideon's body, um, but still being very much Pyrrha. And like the the two instances of being in the body of someone you so deeply care about and not being able to like relate how that is. In one case, because OG Gideon is gone. And then, oh, fuck it. Let's talk about let's talk about the six kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> i love paul and i love paul i have so many thoughts about paul i cried loudly i cried very loudly oh yeah i was 
a mess. I was not okay. Yeah. I was like, well, I mean, on the note of jumping back really briefly to Pira, since you brought yeah. her up, uh, I remember reading the first chapter when they, when Tor.com previewed, 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 when they previewed it um, and being like, oh, Pira's trans because I'm a moron and I had forgotten completely who she was. Um, <laughs> yeah. And so then getting back into the book, I was like, oh yeah, wait, hang on. That's Gideon's body, but it's OG Gideon's body, but Pira is alive in it because yeah. OG Gideon is dead. Got it. Got it. I'm caught up. Uh, but still. And then this, the six go loud. Oh. I can't. I I I did not expect me to have the emotional response that I did. If that makes sense. Yeah, no, I mean because it's whatever you're expecting, like that's not it. And it's oh, it's just funny because that's exactly what I expected. I was not expecting self-immolation, and I <laughs> right, right. I um, wasn't. Ex- yeah, but like I knew something was going to happen. But like it's like reading it. It is horrifying. Yeah. But it's also so beautiful. Oh, yeah. Like, and the mm-hmm. way the way that it's written is so beautiful, and the way that they speak to each other in the moments leading up to it are absolutely devastatingly beautiful. And, and I think I think it, it's it's ex, it's ex, excessively emotional because the previous moments of lictorhood that we have experienced as a reader are so it's either a blip and suddenly someone's a lictor and we don't really know how it works. Hand wave, hand wave. Mm -hmm. Or we see like the fallout of how uncomfortable and how like unpleasant and how dangerous and all, like all of the negative aspects of these, Mm -hmm. these things. And then this is the first time that we're, I mean, cause we, we get a little, we get a little, little smack roll of it. Right. When, when Gideon's like one flesh, one end bitch. um, Mm -hmm. Right. We start to sort of, we catch a whiff of it on the breeze but then when the six kids are doing this thing and it's so like the orchestra swells underneath them and then they do this horrifying moment of brutality that results in the most beautiful alignment that i personally did not even think would be possible let alone like it wasn't even on the table because everything about these the idea of souls joining into one body so far has been so horrific yeah it it, it floored me it absolutely floored me what i think really worked what i think made it work so well is it's so incredibly well earned throughout the book the 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 whole in the in the, the in the first one you see how well they work together in Gideon the ninth you see that they have this incredibly good working relationship you see how dedicated they are to each other and in the second one you don't get much of them but what you do see is the lengths that they have taken the contingencies that Sextus set up and how far uh, Camilla will go for him and then in this book so much time is spent on their back and forth and reiterating the dangers of their arrangement. And you get like everybody else looking at them saying, this is dangerous, Sextus, you're, you're being reckless. And Nona looking at them and just seeing how much they care for each other and just seeing how beautiful their arrangement is because she gets to have both of them. Mm-hmm. And you get these little glimpses of their conversations together and the way that they write notes back and forth and the, the tape recorded conversations. And 
so when it comes down to that moment, it is it has built up so much that when it, when it does happen, it feels so there's so much momentum pushing into that moment that I was not prepared for what happened, but I was on board and for the ride. Absolutely. And I think that is a hundred percent a tribute to the author's craft right there uh, for, to take the reader on a journey with these two characters and then to take a hard turn and say, I'm going to do something buck wild now. And for the reader to be like, yep, let's go. No, yeah. no questions asked. Uh, I think that's uh, a real, a real gift for the author to give a reader there. And I think there, that transformation is, is such a, an indelible moment in the book. Yeah. I absolutely agree about uh, the, the buy-in from the reader leading into that moment being so, so vital and so expertly handled that like, the the idea like no no we love both pal and cam so much at that point that like the the idea that if it's what they want and if it's possible the idea that they could have what they want that they could actually be like together in some way instead of next to each other facing away blindfolded and you know taking turns is so tangible which is wild because if you zoom out the idea that we're discussing here is so like unreal and so intangible uh that that the fact that she she brings us to a point where we're ready we we, i mean we weep to see them do it effectively and have it work and have them be together in paul and have paul live uh it's so wild to me because it's so it's such an intangible if i was I, drew was like are you okay and i was like obviously i'm not okay and he was like, <laughs> was like what happened and i was like i can't tell you i don't know how to explain it <laughs> i feel like paul has got to be basically a perfect lictor yeah yeah that at the very least yeah yeah I, that that is that they represent the true joining of the two, the the necromancer and the cavalier, and I, it's just so different from all the other lictors, where one eats the other. <laughs> I think that it is something beyond perfect lictorhood. Yeah, I think it is something new entirely. Yeah, I don't think that the author would give this character such a banal, biblic yet biblical name like Paul. For no reason. Well, yeah. and because Paul is not the Apollo, like not not the not Paul's given name, he is Saul of Tarsus, who is then renamed once he once he be or once he like becomes a preacher, and who like mm-hmm. once he has his blindness cured. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think. Yeah, that's my point. Is just that I think there's. I think that Paul is going to be a very crucial character for what happens at the end here. Uh, and I think that that n- giving the character that name is intentional, not just like p- people on the subreddit are just like, Oh, it's such a terrible name. And I was like, you think she picked that name? Like, because she thought it was cool. Like they were sextus and Camilla and there's like 
you know, Eanthe over there and she picks Paul because she thinks you're going to be on board because it sounds dope. No, like that was a that was a, a choice that was made there. And that's telegraphing what this character is is going to mean and going to do, um, especially given that they spearheaded the sixth leaving the Empire. I mean, I really feel like there's a this is the the next the way out the, you know, at the, the end of the book forward. Yeah. At the end of the book, what have you got? You have the sixth Electo Gideon and Harrow question mark, question mark on those on, on some of that in the locked tomb, like getting ready to go tangle it up. Oh, and by the way, they've also like maybe got someone that's important to blood of Eden. I don't know. What's the messenger who is aim. Nobody knows, but like, there's some like next step shit happening there. So it yeah. makes perfect sense that Paul is, has this very signifying name. And there's, there's so much with names in, in this book in particular. Um, like I've got, I've got the, the whole, like, you know, if you scroll down yeah. the document, I have a page on this, I think. Um, yeah. Especially I went back to the, um, the dramatis persona in uh harrow which was very interesting and you can go through the john chapters and figure out who's who based off of the context clues um but there there's also a lot of stuff like it with with nona uh we've got hot sauce who who chooses her name because she likes hot sauce and it, hot sauce makes everything better. And then we have all the stuff with um, the way that Nona can understand any language or dialect. Um, and the the thing where she's translating all of the like other kids' names as like Born in the Morning or Beautiful Ruby mm-hmm. um, or Honesty. And it reminds me of like the literal translations of and kevin um, and kevin. <laughs> kevin there's always a kevin there's always a kevin uh but it reminds me of like the ways that different like this is something that i'm not personally super familiar with but like you know that you know, names with meanings in languages that aren't english or like names will be like directly translated versus using the you know how it sounds um it's very interesting to me because i think that like if we were to say any of their names in english those would not be or like if we those would not be the sounds that their names are it's just known as translating but the the other thing that's fascinating too is um uh there's so much with ulysses and titania the two like corpses that there are you know, playing with to figure out what the hell is going on with the introduction of necromancy. I guess they're on, or or when when John decides I'm going to make I'm gonna I'm gonna play house with new people. They get to come back as real people now. I guess so. I guess that's, which is wild. Uh, were we talking about like the absolute horror show that is John resurrecting his friends sands their memories? I mean, yeah, I mean, in the long term of it, yeah. The question also is, Sans, how much memories? 
too. That's I mean, not clear. I mean, yeah, we. I don't think we're ever going to learn any. And beyond this, I would be surprised if we learned anything about early Lichterhood or that early Empire building. Yeah, because frankly, it's well, just it's not necessary. Yeah. I was gonna say, yeah, that that it, that it feels like the John chapters as they unfold. It's kind of like, ooh, we're getting a little bit more than I thought we were going to get as far as like looking back that far. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that from here, I don't know that anything else would be useful going forward, but I could be wrong. Yeah. There's two quotes about it uh, that I found. The first is uh, John saying to Augustine uh, something to the effect of if the Augustine from before the resurrection could hear you now, he'd hate you or something like that. Mm-hmm. And then... Um, at the very end of the John chapters, he says, you know, I'd already figured out the brain. I could make them, I could just make them forget everything. Why would they want to remember their role in the apocalypse? And it's like, well, John. Uh, you don't, you shouldn't get to make that decision. Well, A, you should get to make that decision. And B, it was, you're really, you did the apocalypse. Yeah. They, they were doing stuff, but I don't feel like you can really blame anyone for nuking the planet, but you. That was... I love That's also how he's you. like he's changing the story on the fly to like yeah. suit him, and he's like, "Oh well, um, the bombs were already flying, so I had Gideon's bomb blow up." And it's like, "But you said Gideon's bomb was first," and he's like, "Oh right, whatever." And that—that's what makes me that—that's precisely what makes me like question how uh, how much we can trust those chapters. Yeah. Um, oh, I mean, yeah. it's, Whether... it's compl- I, I mean, it's we're getting a story. We can. Be- yeah. I, I think that I think the sequence. I think the sequence of events happens as John says, but we, but like for any motivations or anything, are suspect relatively. I it's yeah. been ten thousand years. Who can remember who nuked who first? The fact that his version of it, the version that he tells someone he wants to try and like impress or whatever the version he's telling to be sympathetic makes him sound like such an unbelievable butthole (laughs) is really telling yeah uh the fact that like he can't he can't let up on this fucking cow thing (laughs) this is like the first time he uses like necromancy in a big visible way they get in his face about the cow thing and he's nuking the world and he's like still on about this. <laughs> I have never identified more strongly and yet been more horrified with someone at the same time. <laughs> yeah. I love a bit and I will beat a dead horse till it's glue. But also there's a point at which like that's not a bit anymore. You've nuked the earth. Like maybe that's holding a grudge. Yeah. To uh, 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 an absolutely insane degree. And God damn. Uh, and it turns out he's not even done. He's just getting started. He's going to spend the next 10,000 years chasing the descendants of these trillionaires across the galaxy as well, which is <sighs> yep. bananas. The, the only people who know what he did. Yeah. I mean, this is a yeah. no, leave no witnesses thing. <laughs> yeah. Well, and th- this is actually one of my one of the things I question is, so I kind of wonder who does remember what happened. Um, At this point, no one. Well, see, well, yeah, because because all the lictors are dead. Um, 
but um but see i wonder i wonder if that was one of the things that made the lictors turn against john is if one of them figured out how to remember like all of them do which is mm-hmm. I, I i was i remember reading something and it was like and they were counting it off and it's like two-thirds of them um eventually Have betrayed him in some way yeah and yeah, yeah. i mean well whether- he's a manipulative but yeah, and they and, had ten thousand years to figure that out. So yeah, and ten and, and whoever doesn't figure it out just got sick of him. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if two baby lictor ish lictors can do impromptu brain surgery to prevent full lictordom three months after they do the lictor dance, like you gotta what wonder what you gotta wonder what eight thousand years could do. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. although especially I mean, with mercy. Yeah. Yeah. Although yeah. I mean, that's that raises an that raises a question that I think I don't know that we'll get, but a, a question about like there's a period between, assuming it's to to any degree true, there's a period between John nuking the Earth and hanging out in the rubble with Electo, and the start of the Empire where he's resurrected some people with no memory of the world before that. And he's telling them what happened. And they apparently have no memory of it, of the world before. We don't know what happened in between there. We don't know how he rebooted the world. We don't know what he told them. We don't have any of that information. And I I don't know that we ever will, but I think that's really interesting to it's kind of an interesting question of like, how much did he tell them? And what did they, when he wakes Augustine up is like, does Augustine, he has the same personality. He's clear when he says that, that he preserves the personality, but does he just wake him up and be like, hi, I'm John. I'm God. I just resurrected you. The world was nuked. Totes wasn't me. Let's get started (laughs) on bringing everything back. I, I mean, it's just, there's a lot of questions about that that period, that like first thousand years yeah. or whatever it was. Yeah, it's it's fully in. If we learn anything about this in Electo, I'll be surprised. But, um, you know, I'm not worrying about it. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm just curious about yeah. it. I don't expect to learn a lot about it. I I would. I'm expecting that we will learn more because we need to. Because I think it's part and parcel of clarifying john and electo's relationship oh i definitely think we'll learn more about john and electo but i think i think we need to learn more about those early days to understand you know understand Mm, how electo became electo and i think you know we we need more on that time period that's fair there's also there's also the thing where in the john chapters all of the you can figure out who's who but everybody's referred to only with a first initial so it's a g p c um etc so it's like i'm pretty sure that like their original names were not mercy morn and augustine that they got renamed um, that's a really good point like yeah yeah they, the they got way- renamed by like ulysses and titania did yeah interesting yeah he's got a he's got a stamp to, he's got a he's got a trademark at all yeah he's yeah. a literary sad boy yeah <laughs> He really, he really is, is, though. And I guess from that list that you posted on there, he figures out, like, eventually how to actually undeath 
Ulysses and Titania? Yeah, I guess so. I, I think what it is is he just makes new people. Oh. And he just names them that. Yeah, I think he, he just plucks a random soul out of somewhere, stuffs it in there, and because he's resurrecting them, he, you know, clean slates them and, and starts over. I also find it really interesting that Ulysses and Titania are the sixth house. No, they are not. Or they're, they're, um, they're the sixth saint. But no, it doesn't but that, map up. That 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 doesn't map. So it was Cassiopeia, what founded the sixth. Um, Mercy Morn founded the eighth. Augustine the fifth. Gideon the second. Cyrus the third. They can't. We can't just have X number C equal X house because I got to be confused. Yeah. More stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, I remember thinking that too in Harrow being like, why don't they map? Why don't they yeah. line up? Like yeah. yeah. But I think I think that that's part of it in terms of like their personalities and stuff before like in the before times mm-hmm. versus the roles of the houses. I think it's a really interesting thing to dive into because like we've got Mercy Morn and Christabel who found the 8th and from con- from context, I'm almost positive that Christabel was the nun, um, yeah, and- who could not be referred to as C because there's like so many C's and it's right. awful. But I think I think that Christabel was the nun who taught John about souls, and the eighth does soul siphoning. Um, that's what they're about. So it's it's interesting. And then and then we have Cassiopeia who C in in the before times who was brought on for contracts and checks and balances and then ends up doing sixth house contingency planning for what if we what if we just made the whole house like a mobile space station and then like we could just get the hell out of dodge and according to tv tropes i don't know if this is 100 percent true but it the sixth house was like a polar orbit around mercury yeah yes because that's uh in 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 Nona, they talk about the fact that uh, everyone is freaked out when Anthe is ranting furiously about the fact that she's going to kill the whole, uh, all of the, I can't remember, the advisory board or, mm-hmm. or yeah. advisory council. She's like, people will just be so glad that I found the space station. Nobody's going to care that, you know, they think everybody just got roasted when Dominicus flared. Right. Yeah. And I think in Gideon, it mentions that it's tidally locked as well. And of course, and of course, the ninth house is on Pluto. I think we should take a brief pivot off of uh, <laughs> big brain theory crafting because uh, I'm curious what everyone's a what everyone's favorite part of the book was, uh, and also your favorite like we 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 started listing our favorite memes and awful jokes from the book, and I want to talk about those. We'll get back to, we'll, we'll get back to like the the big brain stuff, but I'm. I want to hear about the memes. So I love that for the second book in a row, three quarters of the way into the book, Gideon shows up like John Cena, just like, oh, we don't have a... a And then Gideon shows up, (laughs) everything goes chaotic, and then the last quarter of the book is an entire mess. Second book in a row. I (laughs) That's true. I look forward to it happening. Total chaos goblin. Yeah. Yeah. I just love all of the domestic stuff with Nona, because... Nona is the best and I love her. Mm. We can t- we I I have some theory crafting stuff but I will set it to the side and not talk about it for the time we being. We can talk about Nona. We can talk about Nona later. Uh I really love I I already mentioned the cows thing. Mm-hmm. Um cows have but, feelings, Jude. 
Do you know they mourn? They watch their the dead? sunset. They, they recognize each other. How angry he is about that is, I just I I was dying <laughs> laughing so hard every time like he the, he. The third time he brought up the cow thing, I was sitting there going, "They do," because like I didn't know <laughs> that. Like like I knew that I knew that like elephants have funerals and they beat the yeah. shit out of people who wrong them and stuff like that. But I was like, "Cows, really? Oh my god!" Like, I just love how angry he is about it. Like. It's been. And these are beef really cattle can't too. Let it go. And they're, yeah, they're cows even still a thing anymore. That's my question. <laughs> I hope not. Yeah, so Harrow's like, like what? Well, there's hamburgers are a thing. Oh, true. Uh, it could be made of something else. Yeah, though. I mean, they could yeah. be made of ham. We don't know that it's now. a hamburger. <laughs> uh, there's a part in the book made me think of this. They're, there's a part in the book of upholstery. <laughs> yeah. Ugh. Uh, where God, uh, I think it's in. Which book is, I think it's in Nona where, I can't remember which book. It's either in Harrow or in Nona where someone makes a reference to carrying a baby. Like, do you, oh, uh, someone makes a reference to gravid carry. Yeah. And they're like, you still do that? How quaint. And I'm just like, as opposed to what? I am thinking that, I'm thinking that in the present day, everybody's a test, like you get, you get test tube babies. Yeah. I mean, yeah, clearly that seems to be the implication, but like... At least on the houses. It's, yeah. it's such it's a casual. wild throwaway line. Like, yeah. How we, weird, we have like... Reached, we've reached a full Battletech Iron Wombs, probably. Yeah. Except Necromancer and Bony and Goopy. Yeah, probably. and this is a this is a, a, a thing I want to talk about later, is I have questions about Thanergy and Thalergy that I want to don't get expect into, a, but, Don't expect a coherent answer from me. I can... I still don't know which is which. Same. Uh, Same though. I also love Nona's silly shirts and how much she loves them. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, I love all of her silly shirts and the fact that like at one point she's like sheathing a sword inside her hip and she's like her chief thought is how glad she is that it's not her her t-shirt. Yeah. yeah. It's somebody else's shirt. And I'm just like, that's a weird moment to think of that. You know, you're sheathing a sword in your hip and you're like man i'm glad it's not my you know seafood t-shirt but that's but that's nona for you right yeah um, my favorite meme was at the very 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 end then perish <laughs> <laughs> oh i was gonna say i did note that in the acknowledgments uh mirror does say that she found the perfect gift for her editor which is like just one meme like in the entire manuscript uh <laughs> that after two after two books uh she she dialed it back just for carl engelaird which is pretty funny um <laughs> i was gonna say if y'all want a link to the place where i got my nona burger shirt i can provide oh, it uh, yes the, the the person the creator does them in small batches and they are delightful so i will i dig need up the one for you uh yep. there aren't any currently in the store but like follow the store yeah. and then just wait for the drop we we've uh, i think we followed worse things hold on let me go get my baja <laughs> blast candle uh, <laughs> really yes <laughs> Oh my god! I was I was going to wear my <laughs> putting the romance in necromancy shirt today, uh, but it was dirty. I, yeah. that's, that's fair. I've got big, big death, death energy, energy today. Yes, yep. I was also gonna say that uh, my favorite thing about Nona 
is that she raises her hand when she has a question. Uh, so yes. <laughs> regardless of whether or not she's in the classroom and regardless of the fact that she is not in fact a student, yeah. it's, it's incredibly yeah. relatable. And I love that for her. What were you going to say? I love that you called out uh, the messenger. Alan. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I wanted to point out, cause we've, we've mentioned the messenger. We've mentioned aim before. Who is it? I, I, so Here's here's the thing about that, right? Is they call this person the angel for such a long time mm-hmm. that when we finally got to the part where the person in question says to their face, I am like, I'm called AIM. I am the messenger. The <laughs> message is not for me. It's for someone else. That I was like, uh-huh. And I'm like taking notes, right? And then three pages later, I stopped and I went back and I read it out loud. And I realized that Ames' predecessor was Emma Sen, M M S N. And I went. <laughs> I, I can't wait until we meet IRC. Oh my god! I, so, and then I and then I sat on it for like a whole hour, going, "That's it. That was the whole point of that. I would put money down right now that there is nothing further of use from this character other than that moment." Yeah. I would not surprise me. I would be shocked to my very core if this character had any further use to the story other than being like a guiding character that knows things about the before times in a vague sense. Yeah. Because I genuinely think that that was the whole reason she did that. I don't think there was any further. No further questions, I, Your Honor. Like, so it's a brick yeah. joke. Yes. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Okay, so God, I, I hope I so. think she's I think she's gonna come back in some sort of way. Oh, she's gonna be back. Yeah. I just don't think that there's anything further to the mystery. I think that's it. Yeah, I, I Her think mystery that was, the, was I, the joke. I wouldn't be surprised if we just met the other messenger. Yeah, mm-hmm. or another one yeah. or something. Because there's like, like I there's think like that's two just, parts of the message. Because there's like right. two parts of the message, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Or like each one of them has a piece of the message. Yeah. yeah. Right? Or there's two parts remaining or something. I think that's, I think yeah, that's and, the and message. With, you know, with Electo being from uh, Greek mythology, I'm personally wondering whether we're going to get Discord. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, that's valid. And I would Because it be would be both. It would be both <laughs> a horrible be... pun and, like, mythology. That yeah. would be such a move. Um, so I found, I found what I was looking for. Uh, somebody... Po- uh, uh, burst of, at burst of hope on Twitter um, gave the the perspective that none of the per- none of the narrators of the lock tomb are neurotypical. That mm-hmm. Gideon represents ADHD, Harrow is, sch- is schizophrenic, <laughs> and Nona is autistic. Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. Um, yeah. I mean, there's I there's I think there's multiple ways you can read Nona. Like they're like Nona in one can be like there, there is that autistic grief, but also somebody who's had an incredibly traumatic injury. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like my, my uh, father uh, when I was very, very little had a cat, it was in a catastrophic car crash and had to like relearn how to walk and write. Um, And like, and there's parts of this that are like, the daily physical basically like little little bits of physical therapy that nona does and everything 
like and and how she describes trying to learn things where it's like it's like her brain already knows it but then just slides off yeah yeah the nona definitely has some sort of sensory thing going with the with the way that like everything she senses is so vividly described um which is one of my favorite parts of the book um those descriptions are really really great um and add a lot of like flavor. She also seems to have pica, which is really interesting to me. Can I can I can I say a thing that is a theory thing? Yeah. Yes. Okay, so you know how John eats a whole bunch of dirt when making Electo? Okay. And Nona yeah. likes to eat things like sand. And pencils mm-hmm. and erasers. Mm-hmm. That like and and specifically like it seems like eating sand is specifically a thing for her. Yeah. Interesting. That's so, a good point. Uh yeah. She has she has like a a, a a a core sense memory of that. And so that all food tastes weird to her because that's interesting. Also presumably because as the planet Earth, she didn't really eat so much as like absorb things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that I love that's one of my favorite things about Nona is she she has a comment at one in one chapter where she's criticizing two as as a number of feet. <laughs> she thinks two is a dumb number of feet to have. Yeah, yeah. it's That's too great. many, too many to ignore. At, what is it? Uh, not enough to be useful, and too many to uh, ignore. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just like <laughs> what a wild thought to have. Yeah, I, I just had a thought about like Nona's universal translator thing. If Nona was the only one who could understand the RB through Deuteros. What if the resurrection beast making people go uh, cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs is just it trying to communicate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it's just that humans can't understand it and they just... <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Okay, we've gone an hour and 20 minutes and we haven't mentioned Noodle yet. <laughs> noodle! <laughs> also... Noodle, the dog. Yes, as in it's a Bones Day. Yes. Noodle. <laughs> um, yeah. So the the um, the 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 owner of Noodle, the Bones dog, is a Lock Tomb fan. I, I like. I it's, love, it's it's right there. Yeah, it's on the tin. It's perfect. Like, yeah. It's a Bones Day. I love that Noodle saves the universe. Yeah. <laughs> Or possibly she, dooms it. Yeah. Oh my god, that moment. I was where like, she's <laughs> she's ready to die. She's done. Nona has had enough. And then and she's trying to get everybody else on board too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah she's trying to convince she's everyone so that tired. it's time to and then she's reminded that Noodle is in the backseat and she 180s it and is just like, oh shit. Noodle's there. I gotta live for Noodle. <laughs> yeah. it's so I'm not letting and, the dog die. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talk about a moment. Like, you know how sometimes you'll you'll be recommending a book or a movie to someone and there'll be a dog in it and you'll be like, right out front, the dog doesn't die. Right. <laughs> I always it was appreciate a moment that. that my, yeah, I, it's one of those moments where it's like, not only does the dog not die, he saves all of, you know, or dooms. I don't know. Depends on what Nona gets up to. Ugh, so good. Why does he have arboreal... Extra arboreal legs. I think too. it's, I, I think it's a translation a thing. A I don't think Noodle's a dog. 
the way I that mean, we no, understand no, dogs. Because the dog, noodles on the it, cover. It's on the cover. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah, yeah, right there. Oh, yeah, the little right. legs. No, I think it's just a weird dog. Yeah. I think it's a space dog. Yeah, I think we dog. need to make room for the fact that the, the planets out there have space dogs yeah. on them. Well, see, see, it reminded me of, I don't know if anybody else here has read uh, Kat Valenti's Radiance. Mm-mm. But there's an ongoing thread in that. So uh, I would recommend that book. It is also weird as hell. Um, so speaking of weird as hell books um, mm-hmm. that take a lot of thinking to get through. Um, and it's it's basically, what if like we did silver screen in space travel as it was imagined before we actually had space travel of any form where like what if the Venus man in the moon was, like, was accurate yeah where like Venus is its own kind of is a jungle and mm. the moon is a desert but like has life and one of the ongoing things is that there'll be references to like you know the kangaroos on Venus but they aren't actually kangaroos they're blah 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 um hmm. that's what that's what like the the description of like the poison desert cats and i think i thought i felt like it was a like translation type thing or like using the name for something that's similar but it's not actually no that he's just a good boy my assumption was that (laughs) he's just a weird boy you know because she came off of that aim came off of that world that was like mutating yeah imploding and stuff and maybe noodle is like you know something that she salvaged yeah yeah that segues nicely because I, I want to do a space magic segue. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we can time box it if you if I can use my uh, corporate lingo here. Space magic. Uh, so we go, go on. So I have questions about Thanergy and Thalergy and then about Resurrection Beasts. Hold on. I, I, need to, I need to, like, the hippo part of my brain is like, I'm too, d- I am like Gideon 1.0. I understand like two necromancy facts. <laughs> At most, maximum. Uh, Thanergy with an N, N for necromancy. Thanergy is death energy. Thalergy, L for life. And than- th- as in Thanos, too. Okay. Yeah. Th- uh, thank you. That is incredibly life. useful. Like stalactite yeah. and stalagmite. Yeah. Yeah. C for ceiling, G for ground. Wow. So you both have changed my life. <laughs> <laughs> so the more you know. Thanergy. <laughs> The the Empire is Thanergetic. Those are all Thanergetic planets and worlds and space stations. What what is the I, I'm curious if people have thoughts on what like the nature of Thanergetic life is versus Thalergetic life. Because I had never considered like the difference until we get to Nona and people seem to think that there is a fundamental difference that like they're the zombies are not like other humans. I get that like the resurrected people might have been different, but it like Harrow is okay, maybe Harrow's a bad example. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, Harrow was specifically quite possibly the worst example. Killing yeah. 200 babies. Okay. Or Ortis. Let's let's use Ortis as an example. Ortis has a mother and a father, presumably was conceived in whatever is the standard methodology in the ninth. I'm assuming that involves a lot of bones, black lace, and probably a gruesome receptacle of some kind. Candles. Um, and like a lot of apologetic prayer. Yeah. Yeah. And a whole bunch of uh, geriatric nuns standing nearby. Ooh. Yeah. Chanting. <laughs> That's yeah. going to kill the mood. <laughs> but what is, is there something fundamental, like, do they 
do that does energetic life breathe do they i mean presumably they have to because that was like the excuse for the 200 dying as they breathed in toxic fumes but like is there a fundamental baseline difference between thanergetic life and thalergetic life besides the propensity for necromancy? I will be honest that I have read this difference that you're talking about, Jude, as like not a literal difference, but I had sort of gotten it into my head somehow that like some of the people out there uh on the planets and stuff in the in the galaxy and everything have gotten it into their heads that like the emperor and the necromancy shit is actually bad and we shouldn't be doing it or encouraging it and mm. that's not good things so we're gonna distance ourselves from that in a social and like structural way yeah and that that on the inside of the empire it is what it is and it's not good or bad just like death isn't good or bad it just is like one of the things i find really interesting about the empire as it is now not john like fuck that guy but like the empire is that the necromancers in the empire don't see death as bad or something to be cheated or rewritten it is just something that exists and their different styles of magic happen to deal with rerouting it rewarding it rewriting it like changing it in some way changing our interaction with it in some way um to the degree that people outside of the nine houses in the empire peasants if you will are like we shouldn't be messing with it at all why are we even touching that take the fork out of the socket like Mm -hmm. so it it, the in my read of the book so far the idea of like blood of eden and everything comes from a socio-political standpoint not necessarily an actual like this planet has the allergy and this planet has the energy i so much as like the people who inhabit those locations are engaging in for lack of a better umbrella term necromancy and that the people outside of the nine houses see some of them see it as bad and something that should be stopped does that make sense yeah and i think i think it also might have to do with what happens on planets as they flip right that all the, the animals mutate and so it'd be very easy to think about especially with the ability to do necromancy to be like, those are mutants. (laughs) The idea being that like, as the empire continues to expand or progress or stay afloat, even Mm -hmm. if we want to throw that in there, um, that in order to continue, in order to preserve the way of life that they've created or death that they've created, that they have to continue flipping planets only to create more resurrection beasts to run from it that makes them need to go flip more planets right it's a cycle that they've created that they really don't see a way of stopping that that the bystanders anybody who might survive a planet that's been flipped in some way goes out into the rest of the world and is like hey this is really bad the emperor sucks like yeah yeah because flipping a planet is incredibly destructive yeah yeah and they don't benefit from it at all. People no. die to battery charge John's hot tub. And it happens over and 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 over again. Yeah. And the people in the nine houses don't really see a problem with this. 
because they either a don't exactly know that that's what's happening or b don't need to engage with it and so it's not until we get into that second book where we start to see this is the process for how this works on this end of the spectrum and then in nona we get we're on the ground on a planet where an rb is chilling Mm-hmm. and and we start to see oh okay there are real people out there outside of the nine houses who are going to be affected by this in an extremely negative way yeah, uh, yeah. maybe the terrorists had a point yeah and yeah. and i think i think you'd you know as some if you were one of the peasants or blood of eden i think you'd be very easy to look at the sorts of creatures that arise on a planet after a after it's flipped which are like apparently tentacle monster aberrations and stuff like that um and be like well the people who live like the houses who are on these the energetic planets uh they might not look like tentacle tentacle monsters on the outside but they're probably tentacle monsters on the inside well and mm-hmm. like from what aim talks about at least it seems like those were maybe just there during the flipping process uh because after that the planet's just used for silica mining which is like Mm -hmm. you know the planet's just dust yeah well they harrow talks about that when she's uh learning how to flip a planet Mm -hmm. that if it's when it start when the when the flipping process starts all of all of the life is like confused and like not sure what's happening because it's slowly dying but if it's flipped immediately then you get the basically you pop the soul out in one hit and then she kills the soul and no 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 uh what's it called uh no resurrection beast no no messy thing you just you flip it all in one go you get a whole big old splorch of thanergy that the necromancers can work with and you're good to go. Um, so, so I have, a, yeah, I have I'm just, I'm very curious. I, I have a thing that I'm curious about of just like, do we think that, do we think that since there are nine resurrection beasts, that Tamsin Muir is like mad about Pluto not being a planet or is one of them the sun? Interesting. No, there's, <laughs> are there nine? I, I thought there were only eight I resurrection there were nine. beasts. I thought that in, um, I thought in Harrow, I'm, I'm trying was... to I'm trying to re rewind to how that how the House of the Ninth is described in Gideon, and I think it's described. As, I think somebody even says you're not a real planet or something. I I, I think that I I I myself am a a pro Pluto person, um, and I do think that Tamsin Muir also thinks that Pluto should still be a planet. Or I'm going off the wiki, but there are nine listed there also how how large does a space rock need to be apparently not even big enough to dominate its own orbit (laughs) yeah i i'm i'm curious about this because it's it has to have life on it to be to create a resurrection beast yeah which which so you you pop a space station and make a resurrection beast out of it. Yeah. I don't I, think so. I don't it has think to have so an enormous to, amount of life. It has to have a, yeah. like a biosphere. Yeah. 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 Like organic matter. Yeah. But and then, I think it's interesting. But then like the way that the. Why would flipping say Pluto actually result in a resurrection beast then though? I don't think it would. Yeah. Uh, so, so to, to go back to that question that Justin had, then maybe that one is the sun. 
or something. Or, yeah, I mean, like that if it's organic material instead of just a rock. Yeah, but I mean, like that, like yeah, like Neptune. But I, I do think life. in general that like yeah, does, from what it sounds like, there was like there's maybe like a Mars installation, but there's no like like but like there's nothing on there's like maybe like uh like a way station on like neptune or something there's not like a full se- there's no like life on neptune i guess i hadn't connected the idea of the resurrection beasts directly linking to the planets that the houses are on or that the the planets that the houses used to be i thought that they were just planets that they had flipped to fuel the empire i hadn't really yeah. thought about it and i think i thought that it was just that john didn't figure out that you needed to do something for a while yeah. because John is not in fact perfect. Yeah. That was my take as well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, um, I think I am like, I was going off of like the, I think it was like something that John says in Harrow where he like implies that the, the- Oh no, we're wrong. Uh, in the glossary for Harrow the ninth, it says resurrection beasts chiefly denotes the souls of the original nine planets of the Dominicus system. Okay turned into stellar right. revenants that haunt the space looking for significant sources of thalurgy to eat. Interesting. But then, huh. okay. Ref- okay. Unimaginatively referred to as numbers one through nine in order of discovery. Okay. But why are there nine though? I mean, I guess because it- we know, because we know we, we know where number three is and number three was locked behind a, you know, locked in a stone tomb uh in the body of a barbie doll well yeah so because it's the um because i don't think it's not the soul of the planet it's the shock that's created from ripping the soul out of a planet no it's the soul of the planet the shock ejects the soul and that creates the 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 resurrection beast so we know so once again we cannot trust anything in these books. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Damn. What the fuck? <laughs> because we know, because uh, based off of like everything we've seen, Electo's number three. Mm-hmm. Unless it is, there is the living soul and the thing that is created, the soul that is created from the violent death. Or maybe, 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 hear, hear me out, hear me out. Here's your. <laughs> Because Earth is the only planet that had significant life, like real life on it, sapient life, is that John's able to take a little piece of that and create Electo, and there's still the RB out there. Mm. Good question. Yeah. Since we've been talking about pieces of souls being stuck on other souls... That could be part of it. That mm-hmm. if Electo reunites with the RB or something. Gosh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> First of all, fuck you, John. Yeah. No, I mean yeah. that's like <laughs> that's this is, implied. This is messy. <laughs> yeah, it is implied. <laughs> I re- I really think that there is. I'm I'm going to establish a secret headcanon. I, I guess it's not secret because I'm saying it, which is that <laughs> one of the RBs is. In fact, uh, Europa. Yeah, I was going to say. Ah, I mean, because we if know Europa's on... got life. They've got the bacteria swimming under the ice. I, I, yep. I don't think yeah. they're going that. I, 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 since... That's facts. That's science facts. Okay. Europa should be a planet. So should Pluto. Exactly. The end. I'm. Go- I trust people with doctorates more than I trust myself to 
determined. <laughs> this is not what I have a doctorate in. Determined plants. I don't have one of those. No, no, I know lots of people with doctors who make statements like that. Yeah, I mean, no, I trust the people who get paid. I, I, I trust the people who get paid to determine what a planet is to tell me my definition of a planet. I don't think that they do. I'm, I just flipped back to the section in Harrow the Ninth where he's where John is explaining the concept of resurrection beasts to Harrow for the first time, and he's it's interesting that he's what he's what he says basically is that it's he says just accept the proposition for now that a planet has an enormous single amount of thalergy. So it's not uh, he earlier he says. Harrow says at one point, a planet's a ball of dust. Its thalergy comes from the accumulation of microbial life. You can't consider it a coherent system. Uh, and John pushes back and says, it's more than that. It's a communal soul. So it may be that there is something more fundamental that is, I don't know. Dragon. This is the stuff that I get my claws into. I realize not everybody like is interested in the metaphysics of how these systems work. Uh, but I'm, I'm very, I'm, you know, this is what I get fascinated by. I'm like, just the, 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 like the thing of me is like, it's just like, I wonder like, what's the, yeah. What's the, what's the divide that creates like something like this? Well, I think it's, this book has been really interesting because we get a, a view of like, what was it, where we get the view, John's view where he's first discovering Thanergy, mm-hmm. right? When he's got all those bodies in the lab and we 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 can contrast that with like the fact that necromancers can't function in space and we get the idea that like we get a sense of why it's it's necessary to flip these planets because this th- because the energy this death energy is not like native it usually only occurs around the dead and john has created a solar system that is abundant in thanergy in death energy the way that it normally would be abundant in thalergy yeah um and in order to make his necromancy function and he's also like keeping dominicus from collapsing to a black hole or something yeah i i'm not gonna touch that one i have no idea what that's about like i don't know there i mean i think i think he knows the sun basically except if i recall correctly our sun would not turn into a black hole it's not big enough yeah, I think it it well it flares when he's briefly dead. Yeah. So I don't know what's that about, but it's made it makes all the conversations that Nona has with Varun really interesting. When you once you get to the end of the book and you know what Nona is, listening to the audiobook has is fascinating because you listen you you hear the conversation you hear everything Varun is saying in a totally different way because he's it is talking to Nona and it knows that Nona is earth mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and it, it puts a totally different cast on the things that it says. Yeah. I, I, I really want to go sit down and like take everything that Varen says and read it closely, but it's really interesting, particularly the first time that she, that it, uh, Varen shouts at her through the captain. Mm-hmm. Um, it really is illuminating because it it really makes it sound like the resurrection beasts are trying to punish John for what happened or trying to fix it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like they seem to be very much more conscious than I think 
I would have I I had intentionally given them credit for. I don't know. Absolutely. That's like, that whole section Same. is super interesting to me. Same, yeah. Certainly, they're a lot more conscious than John would like all of us to believe. I mean, part of it is that nobody except Nuno so far has had the ability to communicate with it, and yeah. that we know, yeah, of. that we know of. that that yeah. that that has been acknowledged. Yeah, and so I mean, far. John can't even it, behold one. Or at least, yeah, that at least makes an interesting question. It begs an interesting question: like, are their abilities identical, or are you know, how much overlap is there between their abilities? She was a planet. And it seems to imply that, like, she has some empathy with, like, life at, in general, even after having been flipped. Mm-hmm. That maybe is why she can understand and talk to the the resurrection beasts. John does not seem to have that same kind of empathy, but maybe he still possesses some of the... the skills that she does that empathy also and i want to talk about kind of the existence of nona in terms of the broader plot arc and like what that might mean in terms of resolving the series sure i think that one of the most significant moments in this book is as nona is dying you know not not like imminently dying but very close and pira is you know telling her about the birthday present with the mustache rides shirt and <laughs> nona nona is like she's so determined that like these relationships that she's formed mean so much to her that she's like no matter what happens i am going to go back no matter who i become i'm going to go back i'm going to find that shirt and i'm going to remember and i think that i i can't wait until electo remembers what it was like to be nona yeah Mm-hmm. I think that that's going to be, I think that that's part of the resolution of book four. Yeah, that's a really interesting point. Yeah, from a narrative standpoint, why, what role was Nona playing? I think Nona is teaching Electo how to love again. That's a really good point. I was, I remember thinking while reading Nona before getting to sort of like that third act chaos uh, that the things that are so charming and lovable and simple about Nona as a person and the way that this book feels to read, it reminds me, maybe this is a bad example, but like all of those sci-fi show, like every time sci-fi is like, humans are special. Like when, when Doctor Who is like, but humans, like they're so weird and they like sneakers. Like it's, it's cute, right? Like yeah. time Lords are burdened with this glorious purpose or whatever, but like humans, <laughs> sneakers, chips, amazing, right? Bananas. Like anytime sci-fi does that quirky little like humans are special thing. And sometimes it's handled better than others. But I feel like Nona is that in a, in a way that is very refreshing, but also mm-hmm. that like is much more profound than just isn't it quaint how humanity is still humanity. Dogs are still dogs. Birthday parties still happen. Uh, the kids at the school form a little gang and like break rules together. And, uh, you know, Nona loves novelty T-shirts. And you know what I mean? Like the simple things about life and living and being a human being survive and carry on and happen even in the face of all of this other stuff but but i think that the profound part of nona as a person and as a book is that this is a series in which death 
almost has no meaning because of how uh, the characters and the setting interact with it as a concept. And, and therefore we are used to being on that big brain energy, the resurrection beasts and the lictorhood. And what does it mean to have flipped a planet? And what is that like? And this is devastating and horrible and awful. And like, how is Harrow going to fix her shit by the end of book two? big brain, big sci-fi, big theme stuff. And that Mm -hmm. Nona collapses down to a single Polaroid and we're like mystified by it because it's so, it's so easy Mm -hmm. compared to all of the stuff that we've already been through in this series. So I, I remember finishing Nona and thinking about like when you get to that third act craziness at the end of Nona, you're like, ah, oh, yes, I, I am familiar. I'm comfortable. My, my seatbelt is on. Thank you for the warning. <laughs> Here we go. Sunglasses. All right, let's go. Knowing full well that there's going to be a brutal cliffhanger and we're all going to be angry about mm-hmm. it. But that up to that point, there is something so simple and so sweet about it because of the way death and life are handled in this series and in this setting. And the way that the characters interact with those concepts is so different from other science fiction and other fantasy. And so that that's what makes the this like quirky little life finds a way and humans are weird. Like it, it's so much more charming in mm-hmm. this example than it is in anything else I can think of. That segues pretty nicely into into predictions for Electo. Um, so things that we know, it's a heist novel done or it's a heist story. Um, but everybody's a fucking idiot for Tamsin. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if everybody's an idiot, then Gideon has to be a perspective character for at least some of it. <laughs> I think that it's going to be split. Maybe breaking into the tower. Yeah. So no, no, no. So I think, I think that we're going to have two timelines going on that we're going to cut back and forth between two timelines, the way that we cut back and forth between the dream and nona you know and nona or or the way that we cut back and forth between harrow um on the mithraeum versus au harrow um mm-hmm. fanfic harrow so i think that the i think that the first timeline is going to be what are the fuck gideon's been up to for the last six months um and i think the second timeline is going to be the whatever the whatever the fuck is happening now so uh and that they will converge and we will understand things in you know the final quarter (laughs) so my counter to this is every book has been narrated primarily and usually pretty much or has been from the point of view of the named title character and i don't think we're going to get a swerve on that Mm, that's a really good point yeah i had not thought about that like or Harrow is told from the point of view of Harrow, but being dictated to from Gideon. But that's that's a whole thing. Um, <laughs> yeah. But everything, everything, in, like everything in Gideon up through up until death, the transference of soul is all just Gideon. I think that we're going. Yep. To, I think that we're gonna. It's going to be primarily from Electa's point of view. Interesting. But I right. think that Electo is going to be incredibly fucked up. 
<laughs> yeah. And well, and considering that we know this book was split off of Electo mm -hmm. and that Nona is, that should have been the giveaway. Considering the first two books and considering that this was split off of Electo the Ninth, we probably should have just, you know, it probably shouldn't have been surprising that Nona was Electo. I mean, I'm, a lot of people guessed it. It was the Earth thing that I think was more surprising than oh, yeah. the, the Electo thing. I feel like of the two things, that was the much larger reveal, but for sure. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 yeah, that's a good, yeah. For my part, the only thing I think we're going to, I mean, obviously we're going to learn more about whatever these space slug demon thingies are. Oh yeah. yeah. Right. Are Those just get dropped around. in the last 10% of the book. Oh, except, yeah, except like, I think we've seen them before. Yeah. I saw your theory I about think, them I being think what was taking over Silas. Or, yeah. Um, back, back in Gideon with whatever the fuck happens to the eighth. Um, like, uh, the cab is way too siphoned and like something takes him over crawling around in and his it's body. like, yeah, crawling around under his skin and stuff like that. And I'm like, ah, yes. Slug things. So, and also, you know, going off of the, the idea of which perspective character it'll be, the epilogue is in Electo's perspective. Yeah. And also, you know, speaking, looking at like languages that are all mm -hmm. throughout the book, like she's 10,000 years dead and it's all these and thous and like Chaucerian almost. Yeah. Bible flavored. Yeah. So, I mean, that must be what house sounds like at this point. Oh, good call. I, wait, one moment, one moment. Hold on. No, no, no. I, I, I've, got, I've got something here. I think get in my uh, big slot. <laughs> I fucking so yes. The last narr so the last chapter of every book is the narrator of the next book. Mm. Because mm. in Gideon oh, it's Harrow, yeah. in the epilogue for Harrow it's Nona, and in this one it's Electo. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and really, the epilogue. Oh yeah, it is. Yeah. Huh? Mm -hmm. The yeah. epilogue for Harrow is like in an apartment on a planet. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah but it's like right. third a bodega. Yeah, it's like third and, person. Yeah. Yeah, but it's about, yeah. Oh, that's crazy. So, yeah, it will be Electo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah. that ends with, like, do you remember who, I, do you know who I am yet? Do you, have you worked out who I am yeah. yet? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Man. That'll be interesting. So, yeah. I find it funny that all of you were shocked by the reveal that Electo is Earth. I don't think I was shocked by it. I just was like, I think that was just like the big reveal. It, yeah, I agree. I, I was guessing that early but only because I had been trying to think about in terms of like the big picture necromancy shit, Dominicus is soul, et cetera, et cetera. I was like, uh, I feel like we're, I feel like we're going somewhere with this. And then the way Nona handles certain things, I was like, I wonder if this is where this is going. Meanwhile, meanwhile I hit that and I was like, wasn't that explained in Harrow? Mm -mm. <laughs> <laughs> but maybe I guess I just like, got ahead of myself and interpolated that because I, I could have sworn like I you know obviously would go back and like try to figure out how I ended up with that impression but like before picking up the book I would have sworn that Electo was Earth. We've talked I mean we talked about it extensively in when we talked about Harrow because like that was like the big Electo th theory at the time when Harrow came out was like what is Electo? The one that got me right now is the tower stuff. Mm -hmm. like, and what's going on in the river? 
And what is the yeah, river? Yeah, that's the other part yeah. that I was going to ask about. I have some theories about what the river is, but I don't. I just think the, I'm not going to get into it. River is necromantic hell, hellscape subspace. Yeah, I that's was going to say how subspace. I've been picturing it too. I, I I've always interpreted the river as being like so. Like John even says in this in his dream chapters in this third book, he he talks about how he's an atheist, how he, you know, he was raised Catholic, he was baptized, but he doesn't believe in anything. And that's why he's so comfortable taking over the mantle of God. Uh, but that I, I've always interpreted it, the river as this like liminal space, which scientifically could be labeled an afterlife or like a purgatory state that John A could never have predicted existed because he didn't believe in anything. And he's also the first person to really broach that scientific barrier i guess into into the necromancy stuff so i i sort of was interpreting on a on a like subconscious level that like the river is that liminal space mm-hmm. where stuff goes mm-hmm. when it's dead but before it's like gone gone right and right, yeah that it's not it's not it's not well described and it's not well defined because they haven't gotten a chance to really study it because john doesn't believe an afterlife exists. And there's a hole in the bottom of this stuff Resurrection Beast brains through. Yes. So here's my my theory on this. Uh, John flips the entire solar system, right? And produces a fuck ton of Thanergy all of a sudden. That's the river. It is this godforsaken enormous amount of Thanergy that has just been sitting like an overturned bowl of soup <laughs> just sitting there. There we go. Soup. We got to get it into somewhere. Some, yeah. It's, has just, to do it. it's just this enormous ocean of Thanergy that he is by his willpower, basically holding in place. I think that's partially why he doesn't go into the river all that often. And that's partially why he doesn't face the resurrection beasts. Cause like, that's my theory is that like the river is just this, sea of Thanergy that he has dumped over the solar system and he's taught other people to flip planets to sort of continue to expand. Mm. It's like that upside down. Yeah. 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 And yeah, the fact that he's an atheist means he's probably not really even sure what he's doing there. That's why there's houses that are exploring it, but he doesn't even entirely understand it. That's what's bonkers about this. Like one thing I thought was, I thought was really interesting I'm on a tangent here and I don't care how often it's mentioned in particularly the second book, but also a little bit in the third, it's mentioned that John's necromancy just feels, it doesn't have theorems. Like Harrow always talks about the fact that her like necromancy is like, it's like a science. It has theorems and stuff, but John's necromancy is just like, Boom! It's just like a flash of white and shit happens and it leaves everybody feeling funky. Um, um, although in in Nona, there is a point at which John says that all of the theorems were working, you know, flawlessly and without, you know, without effort. So, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. No, but I, I think... He my, does my use the word is, theorems. He does, but I think... He's very much working from like instinct. Yeah, right. I mean, he he was a scientist first. Mm-hmm. Like he he's working on cryogenics. He's working on all of this stuff to try to like 
save the human race from the extinction point that they're rapidly approaching. So he is a scientist. He understands the way certain stuff works. The necromancy, when he finally broaches it, is is like you said, feeling based. It's it's impulse. It's instinct. It happens, and he's not even sure how he got yeah. there. He's doing experiments on it. He's trying to test it out, but it. You watch him exploring it, and it gets to a point where he's very much just kind of like winging it. And that I, that's the sense I get is that he doesn't understand. I would argue that there probably are people in the Empire that understand necromancy better than he does, but can't do it. But he's he just does everything. He's had 10,000 years to refine to, to refine his touch on necromancy, his control of it. But there are people that have a more nuanced, maybe maybe not better, but a more nuanced perception. And especially when it comes to the river, I would imagine there are, you know, the, what is it? That was the fifth house, right? Oh, that's interesting. Augustine. Yeah. Yep. Augustine's house were the ones that invested, that became the experts on the river. Yeah. That's fascinating. Anyway. Yeah. That's all I got. Sorry. No, it's wow. fucking fascinating. Whoever John is talking to that says, uh, your energy is limitless and limitless and you can sustain your theorems without a thought. Yeah. Yeah. Um, this is at basically the very end. Yeah. And that's, but that's not to say that he's actually doing theories. Yeah. He can just be doing whatever he yeah, wants. It, it's, yeah. It's basically, he can load so much energy into it. The math stops mattering. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. How did John get necromancy in the first place? Well, essentially. No, I mean, it's, it's explained immediately or it's explained in the book. It's, the Earth saw it was dying. It shows him. It yeah. shows wrong. What um, wonders? What about John? Like, how did how did the Earth so grievously misjudge John? I don't have I don't have a follow up to or that. I'm, I'm, when does it say that the Earth shows him? When does it say that? Which book? Um, it is. It's, in, it's at the. Um, hold on. Let me find the exact quote. No, it's, and it's who says it? John says it. <laughs> um, in, in the John. In the John chapters, it's one of the early John chapters when he's, uh, well, they're at the end of, at, it's, they're coming to shut him down, and then his eyes his eyes change color. Yeah, yeah I don't, and I he don't, starts being able to control the dead. I think he thinks that he was chosen. I don't think that that's what happened. Um, I think well, he whispered well, himself. The quote. Well, there's also the um, <laughs> there's a quote from whoever he's talking to. She says he asks her, "What is it you said to me?" And she says. I chose you to save me and look what you did to me or something mm. like that. Yeah, it's, And then he said, do you remember what you said to me once I had done it when we stood here together? She looked at him and she said, yes. He said, you said I picked you to change and this is how you repay me. Yeah, that mm. was it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's what I wanted to know. So that's, it's still his memory theoretically. Maybe, I don't know. The, the John chapters are such a, such unstable ground yeah. to base any kind of guesses. Yeah. But that's an interesting quote for sure. At this point, until I'm get, like, this is just how I'm approaching it until I read Electo, until I get evidence to the contrary, I'm just taking, mm -hmm. I am taking the stuff from John's chapters as like relatively true because. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, otherwise substance, I can just ignore them because detail. if I don't, because, because yeah. otherwise then they're pointless. If you, yeah, no, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, I think is is I think a thing of 
whether it's planned or retroactive continuity. Um, but you can you can easily like you can like there can be additional information. You can say, yeah, well, of course, John is a flawed narrator, but there's not really anybody to dispute his claims. Right. When does Electro come out? Yeah. Sometime next year. Do we have a year. date? Like, it's, it's actually not it's like as done, far out. Right? Like, uh, uh, I believe it's like November uh, of 2023. Um, Electro the Nights of Fall and Fall 2023. Uh, um, yeah. Per tour. I, I, this is the... Okay, yeah, that's from last year. Let me see if there's any... Goodreads, Goodreads says Fall 2023. I guess, I guess we'll, we'll all reconvene in uh, a year then. They're gonna they're gonna drop a date after the new year, I would guess. Yeah. The last bit I wanted to, I don't have anything on this. I'm just wondering if anybody has any th- theories on the tower. Um I mean I think that it is I think it's some sort of I think it is some sort of anchor to uh, of the river. It's got like a it's got like a 40k vibe to it. Mm. <laughs> it does. Especially it was ominous in the text when they talk about this like tower in the river mm-hmm. and then I tra- you get those translations of the, the John chapters uh, numbers and it's like, Oh, well this is significantly more threatening now. And reactivated too. Yeah. And then they just drive, yeah. drive a truck to it. There's, there is definitely a gonzo <laughs> element to the last, yeah, for the sure. last quarter of, of that book. Just driving a set. What I, what I, in my head, I'm picturing is like an Optimus Prime style 16 wheeler through the river to get to this tower in the river. So I feel so when I was reading it, I think my brain auto completed some of that information to allow me to keep binging. Um, And I think that the way I was perceiving it is that the, and I could be wrong because we don't have any maps in this, this series, uh, the way going down to the tomb on the ninth is described feels kind of like a tower in inverse. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it's a mirror. I get it. Does that make sense? So like in my head, the way it's described is like, there's like the vault doors and then there's like the stairs that go down and the corridors and stuff, but it doesn't feel flat underground on the ninth. It feels like they descend into the ninth. Like the idea is that the tomb is at the center of the planet almost. Uh Right. Um, That's how I always pictured it. And And so when they were like the tower, I was like, yes. And then we kept going and then having it be revealed, uh, from y'all that the the numbers cipher translates to the tower has been reactivated and then they see the tower and they drive to oh. it and they kind of do a little wrinkle in time tesseract fold space and reappear there kind of thing very cool um mm-hmm. that's sort of what i was thinking mm-hmm. it had something to it's like a it's one of those like it's like a beacon point what, like what if, uh hold on i i'm i'm at a point where like i i I think I've like reached a critical point of like tired because I th- stop me if I've said this before. What if the heist in Electo is the tower? Mm. Interesting. Either breaking mm-hmm. into the tower or like either breaking into the tower or stealing the tower it. itself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, like resurrection beasts have a presence both in real space, quote unquote, and also in the river. Yeah. So maybe, mm-hmm. maybe there's a component of Electo that's like 
it locked in the tower. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. There's also something to be said about it. Like since we haven't had the phrase the tower brought up before, um, there's something specific to, I think, Nona slash Electo that Mm -hmm. is bringing that into the playing field. But also from a structural literary standpoint, um, the body in the tomb versus like the maiden in the tower. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. But also the tower. Okay, I was about to ask this. Thank you. (laughs) Is is a is it's a moment of enormous upheaval and change, not necessarily tragedy, but definitely like everything you thought was happening is now not happening anymore Mm -hmm. and something else is happening and it's depicted uh for anyone listening who doesn't know you can google it uh is depicted there's a tower uh that doesn't have a lot of windows or doors on it usually it's being struck by lightning there's usually a body of a person falling out of it uh in sort of a symbolic representation of like whatever was happening is now not happening and you cannot go back to where you were which is very much this fucking series. Yeah. Uh, but so what I was going to say is leading into this is that because um, we, we've, we, we've, we've talked a lot about John. We've talked a lot about what he did and how it was bad and he sucks. And we've talked a lot about uh, <laughs> Nona and we've talked a lot about Electo and Electo meaning rage, right? And mm-hmm. wrath and, and uh, you know, the earth is is gone but not gone because electo is electo and there's a lot of we're dancing around in between a lot of concepts and she she has us right where she wants us right for book four but like (laughs) i've been thinking a lot about how 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 those ideas don't overlap but like they just barely begin to touch the longer we think about them um and uh, the thing that i keep thinking about is not necessarily who is Electo or what is Electo, but what does Electo want? Because it's implied in Gideon in the first book and in the second book, it's implied that uh, John's death lies in that tomb. And that if that thing that's in the tomb were to get out, it would mean the end of everything as we know it. And the emperor would be killed and everything would be destroyed, right? Everything that the emperor has worked for would be destroyed. And then the more we know about it, when, you know, we know it's a girl, we know it's a woman. And then in Harrow, in the second book, we start to put together, okay, this is probably that AL character. This is this is Annabelle Lee. This is Electo. This is someone important to John, who is not his cavalier, as is demarcated in the Dramatis Personae. It's not his cavalier. It's labeled as his guardian. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which brings to mind an idea of checks and balances. Hmm. And the idea that by locking her away... John cannot be killed or John cannot be defeated or things can continue in this vein. Mm-hmm. But if she were to get out, maybe not necessarily that that things would be destroyed, right? The, the end of the world so much as I keep thinking about thermodynamics and how there's things that are hot turn cold and things that are cold turn hot. Uh, and, and how the impulse that I keep having about it is that Electo wants to put things back Mm -hmm. electo wants things to go back to the way they were yeah is the emperor the source of all necromancy like if you kill the emperor does necromancy stop working 
that's the that's what i i think we're meant to be thinking about and asking yeah because if if especially if we're getting glimpses of the peasantry which we don't have a fucking word for the people outside of the i I think they're just citizens uh, i think like citizens is the yeah the citizens the citizens of the universe who are outside of the nine houses of the emperor but clearly fall under the purview of the empire because the empire is massive um that that if we're getting samplings of people who believe that it's wrong to be doing what the emperor does and doing what the lictors do like the way they talk about the lictors especially and like the way that they that the empire interacts with the concept of death if if we have any inkling that anybody out there thinks that that's wrong then my impulse is gonna be that electo doesn't I don't I don't even know that Electo wants to kill John so much as Electo has to reverse the process. Electo has to set things right again. That like because I don't, needs to flip John. She needs to flip John. I don't mm-hmm. think that I don't think that uh, avenging herself is what she would do in itself. I think that as a facet of what is meant yeah. to happen is something for sure that has legs. But like. And the, we, the idea that the idea that 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 especially if it's implied that all human life in the universe came from Earth, if that's mm-hmm. the implication here, then it all hinges on her taking back what she gave. Yeah. Yeah. Which makes me really emotional. Well, and and we know that the two of them did coexist for some time. Yeah. That until the other lictors got f- right so so it's Which not like it's not like matter be, and antimatter right right exactly it could be i mean and that could be a long time by our standards or it could be a blip based on the way that they describe their histories like it could be anything but you're absolutely right they they absolutely have coexisted in the same space at the same time yeah uh fun fact somewhat divergent curiona is a translate the Maori transliteration of the name Gideon. Huh. Interesting. Okay. It is how it's how Gideon appears in the Terio Te Reo Maori. I'm saying this, I'm butchering this, but it's the Maori version of the Bible. Uh Gideon is translated transliterated as Kiriona. God. And <sighs> apparently uh in a very old uh Gideon the ninth era um Tumblr post uh Tamsin Muir talked about like all of the characters from the nine from the nine houses and John she said is a uh Maori New Zealander that looks a lot like um what's his name Taika the director Wittini. of Taika Waititi yeah <laughs> yeah she she said in in several interviews <laughs> that uh she fills the manuscript with gifts of Taika Waititi to to show Carl Engel Laird exactly what she means by certain expressions that John has. And it's ruined everything. I want, I want that. I, like, I, I understand so. that you can't release that, but I want it. Right, yeah. Like, why would you tell us that? Like, that seems yeah. a little I mean, yeah. yeah, it's. Yeah. It's Can you imagine? People want to get into publishing knowing that publishing is, it's the, it's the only enticement that people would have to get into publishing. <laughs> knowing that. The, Can you imagine someone trying to make this movie? No. Make a movie of, of, of Gideon the Ninth. You couldn't do the second two books. I think you, but imagine someone trying to make I mean well, let's, we that's, about that's this another last two time, and a half actually. hour long yeah, conversation. Yeah. 
God, could you imagine trying to make that movie and taking the script to Taika Waititi and just being like, look, we can't make this movie without you. So <laughs> he please. would totally, he would totally. And also, yeah. no, I, I just would to get pay so a crown money. of baby finger bones. Oh my gosh. And he would be so good because he never gets to do these like sad, serious roles. Like I, I can't unsee him complaining about the cows. <laughs> I could also absolutely <laughs> see him saying, hi, not fucking dead. I'm dad. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, All right, it's Ugh. two and a half hours. We should find a stopping. Yeah, point. I'm. I, I <laughs> yeah. don't. What's a stopping um, point? There's a fourth book. Yeah, which, oh, gosh, uh, I am. I don't even know what. Like, I'm like. I'm in like the the point where it's like I don't. I've been sleeping, but I haven't been resting. So it's and part of this is like this book has been driving me insane. Um. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I I finished it yesterday and had the like. A massive case of like book hangover. I just need to like read something stupid and uncomplicated now. Oh, I plan on that. I, I mean, yeah. That's like I was trying. I was trying to read some stuff. I was try- I, like, I was trying to read something today, and I'm like, this is too dense for me right now. I need something. I need something stupider. My 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 little brain can't. My little brain, like all of my <laughs> G- my CPU is still processing this yeah. this sil- this messed up book. Uh, your CPU's uptime is like 99 days and like you have to restart (laughs) final thoughts please please let this book come out soon I want in when the paperback for this comes out I would like something that is like maybe like a story about the resurrection beast or something I don't know I I just like Mm. I want something I want I want some more on that um that are like just maybe like a thing from the front lines on like what the hell is actually going on in those battlefields. But mm-hmm. like, I, I, yeah, some some I, some info about Antioch. I'm very cool. interested yeah. to see like what the short story is going to be for the paperback release. Um, also, everybody in this book is queer and trans, and I, I like we didn't talk about that a ton, but I still love it. It's yeah, mm-hmm. um, yeah, agreed. Is is Cam the only? the only female character we see who is not like obviously either a lesbian or at least bi or, or like, we don't, we don't, we don't really know anything about Sam other than that. She loves Palamides, uh, but I think not in a like sex way. Well, we don't, I don't know. Uh, I was going to say her, her uh, alignment is sextus. And yeah. whatever other whatever other alignments she has is completely irrelevant to 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 her, other than sextus. Yeah, so yeah. I I don't know that it's sexual. Like I said, I was going to object that it was about your sexual comment, but I actually don't know how I feel about that. I think it's established something in, about the idea. I think it's, it's established in, in the Gideon. first book. Yeah. yeah, it's implied. It's 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 almost it, it's almost explicitly stated that they're not sexually engaged or interested in being sexually engaged with each yeah. other but the the romance or the love or whatever we want to label mm-hmm. things as beyond that is not established at all and i think yeah I, they're definitely I, dedicated to each other but not like oh, not like a no no 100 percent love each other but like not in yeah. the way that you and think. even if like and like even if they are like you know the story of their relationship is incredibly queer any which way yeah like yeah yeah Yeah. it's an incredibly queer storyline what so Mm -hmm. i mean i i 
don't really. And it weirdly reminds me of Steven Universe, of all things, um, with Rose Quartz and the idea of giving up yourself to create something entirely new. That's also you. Um, okay, so let's wrap this up. Let's wrap this up. Jude, you are nominally a guest on the show. Where can people find you? <laughs> uh, I am on Twitter at Aramitic Jude. Uh, I also have a podcast called Athrobeth, uh, where we talk about things like uh, elf bullshit. And uh, have you ever wondered who is the biggest asshole in all of the elves? And uh, listen to my co-host be thirsty about horse boys from Rohan. Uh, yeah, you should listen to Atherbeth. We got it all covered. Oh, I'm also on Bad Pod, but I, I assume that if you're listening to this, you know that. Um, and Allie, where can people find you? I am available for many nerdy things on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and my own website at dreams to become or dreams to become.com. I do a uh, Skyjack's Courier's Call, which is an all ages actual play podcast. Uh, set in the original fantasy setting of Sphere, featuring giant rideable birds, airships, mail carriers, and kids just like you. I uh, I write stuff. You can find some of my writing online, or you can buy uh, a novel that I wrote once upon a time. Um, all of these informations will be revealed to you in time. I also recently, uh, the book hangover that was being described regarding Nona, uh, I did just put together last night a five-hour playlist on Spotify about uh, <laughs> Locked Tomb Feels, and uh, it's in semi-chronological order, book one, book two, book three. Um, we'll put that in the show notes, don't worry. Yeah, because yeah, it's I'm pretty pleased with it. I, it's I'm, pretty good. I just, yeah, I think it's necessary. It's five hours. Please enjoy. Someone <laughs> someone clap for me, please. I'm ashamed. Um, <laughs> uh, but yeah. Your tic- your uh, cosplay TikToks are phenomenal, by oh the way. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. Uh, I was actually, uh, in celebration of this monumentous occasion, I was thinking about doing Gideon for the first Ooh, time nice. tomorrow, actually. Ooh. Because um, nice. I've done Harrow. I did Harrow last Halloween. I did Abigail Pent in the spring, finally. And I was so pleased with how that turned out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was great. Really, really liked that. Uh, TikTok, for those of you who aren't aware, does have a secret corner of it that is occupied by locked tomb cosplayers. And I recommend you seek them out because they are all fascinating and their interpretations of things are wonderful and um i'm a huge i'll i'll link you guys to uh there's there's one cosplayer in particular that did the body uh last last year at a con complete with frostbite and like snowflakes (laughs) um and that chili bitch could get it is all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, so I'll, I'll it, it, the innovation, especially like book cosplay blows my mind in general, mm-hmm. but especially when it's something that like, I didn't picture her that way, but a hundred percent, I know exactly who that is. Like that, that phenomenon existing rules. And I love that. Thank you for having me on again to yell about bone stuff. Yeah. Well, it was a Thank pleasure. you for coming on. Um, all right. Um, if you've lasted this far, Tell us, and I don't know, we'll give you a gold sticker. A little gold <laughs> skull. Um, but until next time, uh, we'll be back eventually for whenever Electo is released. And we don't have a funny sign-off for the show, so um, we do Bones, motherfucker. Bye. <laughs>